Wisconsin's afternoon news is on the air. Broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in beautiful downtown Milwaukee. Here's John McCure. Sandy Max is here. So is Greg Matzik and Debbie Lazica. Adam Roberts producing the show this afternoon. It is Teacher Appreciation Day. These folks are so important. During the school year, they spend more waking hours with our kids than we do as parents. So uh, nice job, teachers. We appreciate what you do. I would start to clap. It would just sound feeble, like three of us, like a smattering of applause. Teacher clap. (laughs) You know, it's like, oh, I don't think that would sound as Nice job. Thank you for what you do. Yeah, I mean it. Is there a teacher when you think of... This phrase, Teacher Appreciation Day. Well, there, like, I, I had lots of great teachers, but Senior Stafford, my Spanish teacher, became a family friend of our family. And to give you an idea how times have changed, after my junior year, I went with Mr. Stafford, just me and Senior Stafford, went to Mexico for like six weeks and lived with a family that he knows down in Mexico. You could never, as a high school student, now go with your teacher like on a summer trip. I mean, that would be... I wouldn't want my kids to go with one teacher on a trip. That's wild. But we did. And uh, he, he's he's my guy, Senior Stafford. He called me Juanito. I was Juanito. Muy bien. Well, my daughters are, are having their own teacher appreciation week at their school. So Emily got up out of bed the other morning. Uh, it was yesterday morning. I was like, why are you up so early? He's like, I have to deliver donuts to the school at 730. Aww. We signed up for donut drop-off. I was like, okay, sounds good. That's nice. I'll get the kids out of bed. So, yeah, she was up and, nice. and out the door early dropping off donuts. That's great. They deserve it, too. Absolutely. Very, very good. Well, today- I always want to go to the teacher's lounge. It's a, oh, it's yeah. a forbidden place that students just can't get into. Yes. What goes on in there? Like I just school, remember that always smelled like there? smoke yeah, in What's there? happening in there? What's in that fridge? <laughs> right. Uh-huh. I always wanted to. Well, today is Teacher Appreciation Day. So if you are still in touch with your teachers, you can email them. For gosh sake, think about how much it would mean if you just said, hey, you idea. know what you taught me meant a lot. Next week is officially Teacher Appreciation Week all around the country and uh, here in Wisconsin as well. And if you dig a little, you can find um, some treats like Collectivo Coffee is giving away free coffee on May 9th to teachers. You didn't tell us who your favorite teacher is. My favorite te- Gosh, like you said, I had several. And I had some really tough dance teachers at the Youth Performing Arts School. Those were some formative <laughs> years. Uh, uh-huh. But I would say, um, oh, my gosh, isn't that funny? I'd say Mrs. Drucker in eighth in third grade. Oh, Mrs. nice. Drucker was third a grade person. teacher. Yeah. 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 I'm married to one. <laughs> yeah, you are. Yeah, Brian. So that's your favorite but then, teacher. <laughs> uh, but yes, of course. And but then I've got Mrs. Gundrum, who was my English and forensics coach. And then Miss Murray and Mr. Vapraskis, who was a choir teacher. We loved him so much. And if he's tuned in, go V. So, yeah. I loved Mrs. Crescetto. She was my third grade teacher. I mean, I literally loved her. I thought I was going to marry her. <laughs> First crush. Oh, yeah, for sure. And Debbie, married to a teacher, yeah. what do you think he would really feel special that was appreciated? Of, of what, like a gift or something? Yeah. Oh, uh, quiet. Cash. <laughs> <laughs> Some nice quiet. Um, Whiskey? Well, actually, rum. He's Ooh, a rum guy. Oh, nice. So, yeah, they might, might be getting him some rum. <laughs> so instead of a nice email or phone call to your favorite teacher, yes. a little snifter of rum. <laughs> I Thanks, like Debbie. that. So happy Teacher Appreciation Day. Thanks to all the teachers for what you do. It's 413 at WTMJR. Coronation countdown to Saturday's big day continues up next with a very special guest. In four days, a new monarch takes the throne in London. As the Queen herself did with such devotion, I shall endeavor to serve you with loyalty and love. This is the Wisconsin's Afternoon News Coronation Countdown.
Oh, we've got a special treat for you today. Adam Von Gutkin is the co-founder and CEO of High Clare Castle Gin. He knows a lot about what's happening over in England right now, and Adam's with us this afternoon. So good to have you here. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me on. A couple questions about the coordination, because we're all about it on the afternoon show. We're pretty jazzed about Saturday. Uh, (laughs) Tell us about the excitement right now. How would you describe the English mood as the coordination gets closer? You're attuned to everything that's happening over there. Well, it's incredibly celebratory. London is absolutely stunning right now. The Union Jack is flowing over the streets, and parties are being planned and uh, all over the country, all over the Commonwealth, for that matter. And I'm very fortunate to be off myself to... uh, London from the States to enjoy the Coronation Concert at Windsor Palace in just a few short days. So I can't wait to see it with my own eyes. Adam, how do you get an invitation like that, and how does it arrive? <laughs> well, it was, it, was, it was a very kind invitation, to be honest. So I'm, I'm very honored to serve on the Queen's Commonwealth Trust, which was really kind of started the brainchild of Her Majesty the Queen a few years ago, um, just shortly before she passed away. And it's really about honoring her legacy and her service through all the years by helping young leaders throughout the world and young entrepreneurs, which are two things that are also very important to me. I was a very young entrepreneur when I started my first business and, and didn't have a very, a very lot in the very beginning. So it was, it was people and mentors and access to things like this that certainly helped things along. So, uh, yeah, very, very excited to serve on, on the Queen's Commonwealth Trust, and that's, that's why I've been invited to attend. Adam von Gutkin is with us. Is there any lingering sadness over the death of the Queen, or has the page been turned? I know this is going to be a big celebration, but does the Queen still factor in what will happen over the next few days and weekend? Well, I think so. I mean, it, it, it was just, it was such a recent event for the world, and it, it, it's still kind of there. You know, she's she's left a bit of a hole because she's been with us on the global stage for so long, and and was unwavering, and 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 her and her kind of kindness and her. Um, you know, what she stood for. And I think that there's something to be said for that, that still being gone so recently. But, you know, I think, I think His Majesty the King is going to fill those shoes incredibly well. And, you know, he's, he's prepared for it his entire life and he's, he's ready and he's got a good support system and, uh, and he's got, he's got obviously a great head on his shoulder. So I, I think it's really about celebrating new beginnings in the future, which is something we all need a bit right now is like the beauty of where we're all heading, you know? And Adam, you're, kind of one degree away from the throne. I happen to be in... Well, because you work with Lord and Lady Carnarvon, who are the proprietors of Highclere Castle that everyone would recognize from Downton Abbey, but the weekend that I was in London was the weekend that the Queen passed away. And because Lord Carnarvon is the godson to the Queen, they were going to have a big theme party at Highclere Castle and yes. I, I was going, and I actually called ahead. I'm like, are you still going to celebrate? This country hasn't experienced the death of a monarch in 70 years. And Lord and Lady mm-hmm. Carnarvon said, it's what she would have wanted. The show must go on. And it was very interesting mm-hmm. to be in that environment after this mm-hmm. huge event. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was an intense moment. And, yeah, yeah. so my, 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 my business partner in the Hyder Castle Gin, of course, is, is the owner uh, the owners of Hyder Castle, the Earl and Countess of Carnarvon, and and Lord Carnarvon was 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 one of you know so many godchildren to Her Majesty the Queen, and um, you know they're very very lucky. As a matter of fact, um, just last year, Her Majesty's horse won a very big race, and Lord Carnarvon was at the race, and as a celebration, sent Her Majesty a bottle of Hyder Castle gin, and she sent back a very very kind note. 
and you know, over the years, as, as, as when, when Lord Carnarvon, especially was younger and stuff, he had the opportunity to visit Balmoral and spend some time with um, King Charles as, 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 as children and things like that. So, yes, it's a very, very, very special brand to be associated with Highclere Castle and um, something that, you know, a, a journey that I'm honored to be on. So we can now toast to the king. We found out yesterday we can have a coronation quiche and make that. <laughs> I heard about that. I, I did hear about that. <laughs> I'm more excited about what uh, you and Lord Carnarvon have developed, though. A King Charles cocktail? Yeah, absolutely. Well, this was a neat one. So, of course, you know, six months ago, I started thinking about what can we do that's really unique. And I, and I kind of challenged myself and my team to come up with a cocktail that you know, maybe, maybe just maybe in 50 years it'll be considered a classic. And so the King's favorite, two favorite spirits is gin and scotch whiskey, which are also my favorite two spirits. And they're not typically used together. So I thought, you know, let's, let's challenge ourselves to smash them together into a glorious cocktail. And it took, it took my team about a week to get it right. That's um, a lot so of taste testing, co- you know. Oh, that's <laughs> the best part of our business is the R&D, <laughs> of course. So we've got Eichler Castle gin, we've got single malt scotch, we've got fresh lemon juice, and we've got orange curacao, and that's all, that's all stirred with ice until it's very cold. It takes on this gorgeous kind of honey champagne hue, and then that's poured into a coupe glass um, or a nice little cocktail glass um, straight up, so no ice. And then what we do is we, and this is an homage to High Grove, where the king has always managed and kind of created this beautiful, sustainable gardens. So we take a little sprig of rosemary, we touch it with a torch or lighter, and then we kind of waft it over the drink and serve it as a garnish. And the whole thing is incredibly regal. It is beautiful. Adam von Guten is with us, co-founder and CEO of High Clare Castle Gin. So we all know High Clare because on this show we love Downton Abbey. Yes. <laughs> and we've seen all of them many times. But it's also a place Winston Churchill visited. And you use yeah. botanicals found on the English estate, right? Yes, we use, we use botanicals in the gin. Um, that are all grown around Highclere, the real Downton Abbey. And we've got oranges and lime flowers from the Victorian orangery behind the castle. And then we use lavender that was planted in the walled monk's garden in the ninth century by the Bishop of Winchester. So we've got thousand-year-old lavender beds that we're harvesting for this gin. And then ultimately we're the first gin in the world to use oats, which are grown as prize-winning horse feed uh, for thoroughbreds around the world at Highclere Castle. And that makes it a really creamy kind of flavor profile finish to the gin, which is which is why I think we've now earned over 100 international double gold and platinum awards. And we're on track to be the most awarded gin in the entire world. Lots wow. of history and authentic Englishness in the Highclere Castle it. gin. So you can toast you to the king with the King Charles cocktail. Can I ask you, Adam, yeah. one more royal family question unrelated to the gin? I'm yeah. watching The Crown right now, and it's in the episodes where Camilla and Charles are doing their thing, and he's still married to Diana. Is the whole Camilla mm. thing settled? Are we good with Camilla's role? I mean, I can't. I'm not really uh, well enough poised to speak on that, but I think Camilla's going to be a fantastic queen. You know, she's been by the king's side for a long, long time now, and um, it just appears to me that she's everything that, that grace, graceful, elegance, and kindness that that you need to be in the role i think she's going to be fantastic what a great few days you're going to have you've created something incredible here and you're going to have a wonderful several days there we're so glad that you were with us this was so much fun for us adam thank you i I appreciate it too and you can get the recipe and see pictures on our website at hikercastlegin.com and even have a bottle shipped right to your door in wisconsin
Let's do that. Perfect. Enjoy <laughs> the concert. Thank you so much. I, I will be with you in spirit. Ah, and every uh, minute of this magical, historic occasion. Adam Von Gutkin, co-founder and CEO of Highclere Castle Gin. Donson's Afternoon News on WTMJ. We want to update you on that terrible story in the Houston suburb where one neighbor went to another neighbor's house after the first neighbor complained about gunfire. And the neighbor that went next door then shot and killed five people in that house. ABC's Alex Stone is with us. Alex, I guess the, the, the primary question is, any leads on where this guy is? They can't find the shooter. No, the FBI is uh, saying that they, they have no leads. And uh, that they have set up a, a mobile command center in the area of his neighborhood. And they say they're getting intelligence and running down tips. But is he in the area, living fugitive style? They have his cell phone. He dropped that. So... Unless he had a backup, uh, he doesn't have that to communicate, uh, which is actually a bad thing because then they can't track him from cell phone pings, so they really have no idea where he is. Um, but is he kind of living off-grid right now in the woods around there, or is he dead, or did he go to Mexico or to, to somewhere else? They really don't know, but um, people are pretty freaked out around uh, Cleveland, Texas, uh, in the, the neighborhood where he lives, because they believe he could be hiding somewhere around there. Um, if he didn't go back to Mexico, where he's from. Betty Vasquez lives in the area. She says, uh, very worrisome. We are afraid. We have kids, and we don't know where he's at. So, John, the the FBI is the lead on it right now. They believe he has the AR-15 that he used in the murders, uh, allegedly, on his next-door neighbors. Um, doesn't have that cell phone. So, I mean, they're tracking him down. It really comes down to old-school trying to look for anybody who says that they saw him in the area, any footprints, any scents, a lot of dogs being used. Um, but those who live around him say that he and his wife actually were always pretty cool and that, that they're surprised by all of this. He allegedly was drunk on Friday night, firing off his AR in his yard and then got angry. But but this guy lives next door. They wave at you. They're friendly. They're that's why I said I, I don't understand it. I don't think anybody understands it. But as we were talking yesterday, when they thought that they had a sighting of him uh, in the area in Montgomery County uh, next door, that turned out to be no good. It was a, a guy who looked like him. So they've had a lot of that where they get a 911 call and somebody very well-intentioned will say, I think I saw him right here. They swarm the area. Turns out to be not him or nobody was there. Um, but they've been doing that the last couple of days over and over again. So far, though, they have no idea where he is. Alex, has his wife also disappeared? You know, I believe that she is in the, the area, that, that she didn't run away. So they've been able to, to talk to her, uh, get some indication from, from her is the best knowledge that, that we have on, on her whereabouts. But, um, but he ran away, and, uh, and they've got no idea. Police were called several times related to this, right? I mean, I mean that evening. You're right. Uh, five times is what the other neighbors say, uh, that this is a complaint. The neighbors in Cleveland, Texas, say that they have dealt with for a very long time, that they would call law enforcement and law enforcement would not respond to the area. Uh, it's not clear, did it just take a really long time for them to get there living in a rural area? Or did they just not respond? Or were they too busy with other priority calls? And in Texas, firing off a gun in a yard is not necessarily a priority call uh, in that moment. We don't know. But neighbors are saying that now that that area is saturated with federal agents and police, that they're actually 
liking that aspect of this, that, that now police are finally noticing them. Listen to, to this neighbor. He says, one, that a lot of people fire off guns in that area when they celebrate or for fun some nights. He doesn't like that. But two, that they don't get respected by police. It's really reckless when it comes to the gunfire back here. I want responsible gun owners. Um, I want respectful neighbors. That's basically it. It's chaotic. Lack of law support from uh, the sheriff's department. Almost zero presence back here. And if we do get something back here, nothing's done about it. So that's something that either the state of Texas or the federal government will have to, to deal with, with the San Jacinto County Sheriff's Department of, are they not responding to those neighborhoods? If they aren't, why aren't they going in there? Um, are they not getting representation for some reason from law enforcement? But a lot of neighbors have been saying that, that they would call 911 and nobody would come. ABC's Alex Stone. Thank you for the update, Alex. You got it. Thanks, John. It is 443 at WTMJ, the Milwaukee Health Briefing with Dr. John Raymond up next. If you could read my mind, love, what a tale my thoughts could. Dr. John Raymond is the president and CEO of the Medical College of Wisconsin. Dr. Raymond, thank you so much for being with us in the studio. Good afternoon, John. So last week we had a question from a listener who wanted to know if the current strains of COVID are more infectious or more severe than what we've experienced in the past. And you wanted to look into that, and you have. I did. I looked at the Wisconsin State Hygiene Lab, and the strains of COVID that are circulating now are the same that were circulating several months ago. So the simple answer to the question is no, the strains that are circulating now aren't any different or more severe than the ones that we've been dealing with before. So that's good news. Not more likely to lead to hospitalizations? No. In fact, nationally, hospitalizations continue to go down. Although reporting is spotty and yeah. occasional, but there still looks like there's a positive trend. Good, good, good. Let's hope it keeps going that way. I wanted to ask you about some of those people that work in hospitals and work in our clinics and work everywhere, and that's nurses. It seems like we've been reading for quite some time that the nursing shortage is real and could be approaching crisis level. Can you give us some perspective on this situation and specifically here in Wisconsin, what it looks like? Yeah, thank you so much for calling attention to what is becoming a crisis for us. Um, nursing shortage is real, it's severe, and it's been exacerbated by burnout from COVID. Um, so we've lost anywhere between 10 to 20% of the frontline nurses who've either gone into other professions or retired or gone into parts of nursing that don't require direct patient care. Um, so this is a real challenge for us. Nursing is an important and noble profession, but it's a very, very difficult profession, and people are feeling the strain. So there is a new program uh, sponsored by University of Wisconsin Health System and uh, Madison College that takes CNAs, Certified Nursing Assistants, or Medical Assistants, and gives them a four-year program where they can work and go to school tuition-free to earn their associate's degree in nursing, and then they're guaranteed a job if they can pass the nursing board. So that's a very novel solution. And you're right. What they do is so critically important. Now it's May. Dr. Raymond, and it doesn't feel like May. It's kind of uh, gray and soup-eaten weather, um, but we're going to get into springtime, and it is that time where I want to go for a walk. I'm more in the mood to eat salads and eat healthy, and you showed me uh, a survey that the American Heart Association did that actually ranks 10 diets, and, and which of the ones are truly most healthy? What What are your opinions on these findings? Yeah, well, you know, Everybody's getting ready for their beach body. <laughs> exactly. So they're, they're going to be looking at these diets. 
And so what the American Heart Association did was get together a committee of experts to review the 10 most popular diets in the U.S., and they ranked them not on their ability to help you lose weight, but on heart healthiness. Um, and so what was interesting was that they ranked a diet we've talked about before, the DASH diet, yep. as the top heart-healthy diet, along with the Mediterranean diet. And what they have in common is um, you can have some dairy products, but they're low-fat, low on animal meats, mm. high in fish, um, fruits, whole grains, nuts, things like that. Um, other diets that receive good marks were vegetarian and pescatarian, which are fish-rich diets. And the ones that ranked the lowest were pretty popular. They're keto and paleo diets. All the meat. All the meat, the reliance on animal protein and animal fats for that diet. And um, others that were second tier, maybe not so good, um, surprisingly, were vegan and low-fat diets. Really? You know, we do need fats yep. in our diet, but some vegetable fats are preferred to others. And what these vegan and low-fat diets often do is substitute carbohydrates for fats. Ah, gotcha. So Mediterranean fish-based is really a, a, a nice, healthy choice. It is. It is. And what does DASH stand for again? Um, gosh, I, oh, I'm not sure I know. <laughs> I should know because I actually did a study on it back in the 90s. But it, it's a high-potassium diet um, that, again, is rich in beans and fruits and yeah. vegetables. I wanted to ask you about flossing because we talk a lot about flossing and how important it is, and it's about more than just your teeth. It can actually be a good barometer for your heart, right? And it can help keep your heart healthy. Explain that. Yeah, kind of surprising, but actually well-known in medical circles that there's been a link between oral and dental health and heart health. And so there was recently um, a uh, periodontist from the Cleveland Clinic that talked about this in the national media. And what they said was, if your gums and teeth are bad, mm -hmm. that that increases systemic inflammation and can lead to coronary artery disease. Interestingly enough, it can cause hypertension wow. and also heart failure. So, you know, other than having a nice smile and gums that are healthy and good teeth, there's other systemic benefits to, to flossing. And brushing your teeth isn't enough. I'm sure your dentist will tell you flossing is just yep. as important as brushing your teeth. Yeah. And that water pick flosser counts. It helps. It does. Yeah. <laughs> and it makes right. it more fun. <laughs> as medical mysteries go, there is a curious situation happening right now, an unusual rise in brain infection in children. Yeah. And this is a medical mystery. And first of all, we don't need to worry about it here in Wisconsin. Um, what what um, the CDC reported was um, an unexpected increase in brain abscesses around Las Vegas in kids, and not in young kids, but in typically in boys around 12 or so, and typically four or five cases a year in Nevada, and this year they've seen 18, and they really don't know the cause. And um, this is serious because typically those infections can't be treated with antibiotics, you need to open up and drain the abscess, um, so it requires brain surgery. So that's something that's being investigated right now. But as you said, not not here in Wisconsin, anything that not we need here to worry in Wisconsin. about. We talk a lot about how sometimes financial health can have implications for your medical health, and a new survey out talks about how many seniors in America can't afford nursing homes or assisted living. This would seem to be a critical problem. It is, and it's surprising because I think in many ways we think that older adults are asset-rich, yeah. um, but they're not. And there was a, a recent study on aging uh, called the New Study by the National Coalition on Aging that was co-sponsored 
with the center at the University of Massachusetts, and they said that many adults lack the financial resources to be able to pay for two years in a nursing home or four years of assisted living in home. And so that was um, 80% of individuals might not be able to afford that. And kind of a lower bar of just being able to afford some level of in-home assisted care, um, 60% of retired adults were at risk to not be able to afford that. 60%, that's a really big number. It's a huge number. But I think we're all aware Americans compared to peer countries aren't good savers. Yeah. And that many enter retirement in a precarious situation. And so any health challenges could really pose significant problems for them. Yeah, that's true. Medical costs can run up quickly. All right, Dr. John Raymond's good news of the week. Yeah, well, I kind of alluded to it earlier. You know, it does look like, and you know I'm very cautious, (laughs) that we are probably transitioning from the pandemic state of COVID-19 to an endemic state. Ah. Um, We've had pretty stable to declining levels of COVID-19 now for about a year. Um, Hospitalizations are going down. And so what endemic means is that you're in a predictable level of uh, burden of disease. It's still too high. Looks like we're having about 50,000 deaths per year in the U.S. from COVID-19, but we're sort of settling out at a new level. All right, headed the right direction. Yeah. Dr. John Raymond is the president and CEO of the Medical College of Wisconsin. We always appreciate you being with us. Thank you, Dr. Raymond. Thanks, John and Sandy.